Turn with me this morning to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 25 till the end. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Reading, of course, from the authorized version. Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness, because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service, Toward me. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 30, and we pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the holy, infallible scriptures. Now, my text this morning is taken from Philippians chapter 2 and the verse 30. It reads, Because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. And my theme today is entitled, Total Commitment to the Work of God. Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 to 30 that I've read in your hearing, records the portrait of a Christian gentleman. That was the theme of last week's sermon. You can listen to it on the internet. We encourage you to do that. His name is Epaphroditus. He's one of the lovely men that Paul met on his journeys. He was a great help to Paul. He was certainly not a hindrance. He encouraged Paul, especially in regard to the work of Christ. Now, he's a man of whom we know very little. He's only mentioned two times in the Bible, and both of them are by Paul in his letter to the Philippian church. Philippians 2, 25 to 30, and Philippians 4, verse 18. It appears that Epaphroditus is a Greek name. Now, it means favored by Aphrodite. Now, Aphrodite is the Greek goddess of love and fortune. Keep that thought in mind. The name Epaphroditus means lovely or charmed or, or, or favored. This man with a Greek name, a Gentile by birth, 
had a lovely, genuine Christian heart for the work of God. He was a man who lived up to his name. He was a man of God. He was a man who was 100% committed to the work of Christ, a man who was 100% committed to the gospel. Now, historians tell us that he was most likely the lead pastor at the Church of Philippi. And he was sent by that church from Philippi to Rome because Paul was imprisoned in Rome. And he was sent by that church to take that long and difficult journey to Rome to see Paul in prison because they wanted Epaphroditus to encourage Paul in prison, to, to help him in any way that was possible, and also to bring him some gifts and relieve his suffering. Now, as Epaphroditus undertook this uh, long, difficult journey, he, he, he became ill. And we're not sure if he became ill en route or, or whether he became ill in Rome. But I have to tell you, he was so ill that he almost lost his life. Look uh, with me at verse 27. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him. Now, as news spread about Epaphroditus' condition... The church at Philippi became very concerned for him as their faithful pastor. And when Epaphroditus, who was sick in bed, heard all about the concerns of his uh, church in Philippi for him, he, he became burdened and upset that they were burdened and upset for him. So the Apostle Paul decided to send him back to Philippi. Hence the very special mention of him under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in his letter. And he, he urged them, if you look with me at verse 29, to receive him therefore in the Lord, to, to hold him in the highest esteem. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. You see, Philippians chapter 2, 25 to 30, is a summary of Epaphroditus' life. And it's a very personal summary. It's a public summary. But it's also a powerful biography of someone whom we could say is a lovely Christian gentleman. Now, last week, we thought about the characteristics that he displayed. We noticed three things. He walked as a sibling. My brother, Paul says. In other words, he was a brother in Christ. He was a, a born again of the Spirit of God. He was washed in the precious blood. He'd received Christ as his Savior. He, he also worked as a servant, Paul says, a companion in labor. In other words, he was a fellow worker along with Paul. And then we thought about his warfare as a soldier. We also thought about the compassion that he disclosed because he rendered a public service to Paul in identifying with him in prison. It was a great act of love for him to go and see Paul in prison. We talked about his personal sufferings, verses 26 and 27. Remember, he was very sick unto death, and we we're not given all the details, but on that particular point in the sermon last week, we, we focused on a number of little sub-points that I'm not going to uh, rehearse in your hearing. Listen to it on the website. And we thought about his practical support. He came with gifts for Paul. And then we closed in a few minutes with the cause that he defended. He was sent as a messenger, and as a messenger he came. 
He, he was sent as a minister to Paul's needs. And as a minister he came. Now, now how did he bring that message? And how did he minister to Paul in the cause that he defended? How did he do it? Well, if you look with me at verse 30, it gives you the answer. This morning, I want us to focus on Epaphroditus and his total commitment to the work of God. If you look at verse 30, Paul tells us that the sickness that Epaphroditus experienced or endured was the result of his labor for Jesus Christ. Look at the text. Because... For the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death. You see, Epaphroditus not only ministered to Paul and had a message for him, but he was also known for his work among the sick at Rome. That's why I feel that he fell ill while at Rome rather than en route to Rome. He not only ministered to Paul, he also ministered to the needs of hundreds of others, those that were sick and dying, and those that needed to hear the message of the gospel about soul salvation. And Paul tells us that because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death. Now, now notice three things this morning. Notice his passionate focus for the work of Christ. You see, in this letter, Paul tells the church at Philippi to receive Epaphroditus. Verse 29, here's how to receive him. Why? Notice the because. Here's the reason. For or because of the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death. Isn't that an amazing statement? You see, Epaphroditus had a passionate focus for the work of Christ in its totality. Epaphroditus was a man with a total passion for the work of Christ, so much so that he risked his life for it. Now, I want you to come forward with me, not in the first century, into the, the second or third century. I want you to think about the year 252 A.D. A.D. means Anno Domini in the year of our Lord. I, I want you to come to, with me to North Africa. I want you to think of a city there called the city of Carthage. Did you know that that city in that year faced a very severe plague? Hundreds were dying. There was mass hysteria in the city. The sick were abandoned. The dead were left to rot in their beds. The dead bodies of individuals, boys, girls, men and women were thrown over the city walls. And in that city, there was a godly bishop called Bishop Cyprian of Carthage. I believe he was a native of Cyprus. And he was bishop between 248 and 258 when he died. Ten years Carthage is now part of modern-day Tunisia in North Africa. And what he did was he called the people to pray. And he called the people to be practical. 
And he told them to minister to the sick and the dying, regardless of what it meant to oneself. And he used Epaphroditus, this very passage of scripture, as an example. And he said what Epaphroditus did in Rome to the sick and dying, we need to do to the sick and dying in Carthage. And you see, we could say if Bishop Cyprian of Carthage, we could say if Epaphroditus, of whom the world was not worthy. And what was true of Cyprian of Carthage and true of Epaphroditus is also true of Hundreds and we could literally say thousands of others true believers. For you can read biblical history. You can read church history and thousands of true believers, ministers of the church, elders, doctors who are Christians, nurses, ordinary workers. They didn't count their lives dear to themselves. They didn't love the world or the things of the world the way that others do. No, because they loved the Lord Jesus with all their heart and soul and mind and strength. And because they loved God's kingdom first. Remember the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. Because they loved the souls of men more. They therefore had a low view of this life. They, they held their possessions loosely. They, 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 they held them in an expendable way. Think of Epaphroditus. He's in Rome. He's a messenger there. He's a minister there. He's close to death. He's risked his life. For what? Here's the answer. The work of Christ. Yes, he was genuinely born again. Yes, he had a personal faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, he was also a good minister of the gospel. The, the people at Philippi could rise up and testify to that. He was faithful to the blood and the book. He stood for the old past and the old truths that, that, that we need to do. Yes, he had a love for other believers, including Paul. But on top of all that, on top of being just a born-again believer, a, a minister of the church, having a love for others, a, a, and a faithful stand and witness for the gospel. On top of all that, he risked his life for the work of Christ. Look at the word nigh. It says, because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death. What does that mean? It means he came near to death. It means he was approaching death. We could literally say that Epaphroditus was a death door. And, and the word nigh means that he was active in that. He wasn't passive. He, 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 he was panting after the work of God so much that to render service in the name of Christ, he almost died and lost his life. Such was his passion for the service of Christ. He put everything on the line for Christ, including his own life. Now, I want to ask the question this morning, and I, I realize our numbers are depleted. I trust that many will listen to the sermon on the internet. But is there anything more important in life than the will of God for you? 
than the work of God for you. Isn't it so easy today to to go and come from church? And I appreciate the fact that you attend the services faithfully. And you come to the prayer meeting and you engage in the Bible study. And we've encouraged you to pray privately at home for your family members and for your friends. We've encouraged you to have a concern for the souls of men. But you know, when I went home last Sunday and I thought I was finished with Philippians chapter 2, 25 to 30. Verse 30 almost sort of jumped out at me. And almost said, you've missed something valuable. And it's this, who amongst us, and I put myself on the front line, folks, who amongst us has a heart like Epaphroditus for the work of Christ? This man had such a passionate focus for the service of Christ. It was almost as if his heart was beating in tune with the heart of the master. Because no service was too great or no sacrifice was too great for him to make. That he was willingly, voluntarily throwing down his life. Because he had such a heart to see people saved. A heart that would spare no cost. A heart that was 100% committed to see the work of God done regardless of the cost. It's not a challenge to us in the 21st century. This was a a first century Christian. He was not a member of a super elite club. He was an ordinary, born again believer. Whom God called to be a minister of the gospel. A, A man that was so in love and tune with Jesus Christ. That he could model his life in Paul for me to live as Christ. And to die. Well that's a gain. And you know what the church needs today, and we need many things in this church, and I'll maybe say this in the last point, we need Epaphroditus's today. Not only in our congregation, but throughout the Free Presbyterian Church. Aye, and throughout the Church of the Firstborn, the Church of the Redeemed in Northern Ireland again. Where's the ministers of God? Where's the missionaries who are going forth? To champion the cause of Christ. The second point. I was going to say something else. But I leave it. The second point is this. Not only his passionate focus on the work of Christ. But his practical focus. On the work of Christ. Now, now, now look at the rest of the text. It says, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death. Now notice these words, not regarding his life. Now, 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 now we'll, we'll pause there. What does that mean? Not regarding his life. I, I looked up the commentators because I was interested. What does this mean? And you know what they tell me? Are you listening? It's associated with gambling. Now, isn't that amazing? Now, remember his name, Epaphroditus. And it was given by his parents because of the goddess Epaphrodite. And remember, she was the goddess of love and fortune. So, so there's a connection. You see, whenever gamblers rolled the dice in the ancient world, 
they used to say Epaphrodites. Because they were asking the goddess Epaphrodite to look favorably on this wager. She was the goddess of love, but the goddess of good fortune. And you see, whenever it says not regarding his life, it literally means he gambled his life. Which means that voluntarily he had to present himself to the Lord. Here am I, Lord. Willingly he had to be prepared to set his life on the line for Christ. Voluntary and hazardously. He set forth his own welfare and exposed his own self to danger for the work of Christ. That's literally what it means. You think of the gambler and he throws the money down and he exposes it to the danger of the loss. Maybe it's a property uh, and I've known of gamblers to to lose businesses and, and to lose premises on the roll of a dice. In other words, he places everything on the roll of the dice. You think of the gambler gambling money and gambling property and gambling clothes. And Epaphroditus so gambled his life for the cause of Christ. He put his life on the line for Christ. He put his life in the line. Not only to see Paul, but he put his life in the line to do the work of Christ. There's a missionary many, many years ago. Some of you may have heard of him. His name was Jim Elliot. He, he lost his life to the Inca Indians. And, and he said this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Epaphroditus knew this. What could he not lose? He wouldn't lose his life. He might die physically. But to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. You see, he held the things that he had, his own possessions, his money. He held them loosely because he voluntarily and willingly laid his life on the line for Christ. Years after the Apostle Paul was martyred in Rome, a a group emerged known as the, if I pronounce it right, Parabolani. I probably haven't. It did not matter. And that was known as gamblers. Now, they weren't gambling for money or property or clothes. They they, they were really a, a group of Christian believers who worked among the diseased and the sick and the dead and the dying in the Roman world. And they were inspired by the selfless sacrifice of Epaphroditus. And we could ask another question today. Where are the Christian gamblers of today? Now, I'm not talking about somebody in the bookie shop betting on horses or dogs or, or, or in the football. But, but I'm talking about the Christian gamblers. True believers who will willingly and voluntarily lay down their life for the sake of Christ and his kingdom and not allow anything to come between them and the pursuit of the work of Christ. See, this is a practical focus. Epaphroditus would not allow any comfort 
any convenience, any cost to come between him and the practical outworking of willingly and voluntarily pursuing the work of Christ. You you think of the long, difficult journey from Philippi to Rome. Paul's in prison, remember? He's not a criminal. He's not a lawbreaker. He's there for his beliefs. He's there because he's a preacher of the gospel. He's got a strong conscience. He's true to the blood and true to the book. And uh, to associate with the apostle Paul, uh, Paul is viewed in the Roman world as a bad man. He's under guard 24-7. He has two uh, guards, one on either side. He's under house arrest. He's got a target on his back. Uh, And if you associate with Paul, you could become a target as well. If Paul is sentenced to death, all who associate with Paul could, could be guilty by association. So Epaphroditus was risking his life in that sense. And then when he was in Rome, seeing the need, the souls of men, the, the sick, the suffering. And he's really saying, Lord, I'm willing to forfeit my own life necessary. For your cause in this day and generation. He wasn't one who seized and held on to life and hold it very dear. My life. No, no, he seized hold of Christ. My Christ. And he had such a love for him that he would not labor for the things that perish. Isn't that what John or the Lord Jesus told us uh, in, in John uh, chapter 6 uh, uh, and in uh, the verse 27? John 6 and 27, the Lord Jesus said, Labor not for the meat that perishes, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Listen to these words from Luke chapter 9. The Lord Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Where's the voluntary denial, the willingness to deny self, cost, comfort, convenience, and and take up his cross daily and follow me. Listen to this verse. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be a castaway? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Wasn't it the Lord Jesus said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust nor doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Epaphroditus wasn't interested in power, a possession, prestige. He wasn't interested in money. He, 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 he had his mind set not in earthly things, but in heavenly things. So did the Apostle Paul, and so did the Lord Jesus. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. And you think of the the sacrifice of Christ, Christ's example. Think of Paul's example, things that were gained to Paul. He he, he counted them as dung and as a loss for Christ. So did Epaphroditus. Now, Now, 
What do we give up today? Suppose the devil would tempt me to become the future king of England. Suppose he would tempt me to become the prime minister. Suppose he would tempt me to become a millionaire. If you become king, you give up Christ. If you become a president, you give up Christ. If you become a millionaire, you give up Christ. What, what do we give up? Do, do we give anything up? Is that, is that even realistic to think that that temptation could come? But doesn't Satan tempt us not, not to be king or president or, or a millionaire? But he does tempt us to neglect the things of God in relation to the souls of men. What about the neglect of the quiet time when we say we're too busy and we, we can't discipline ourselves to spend time alone with God? What about the, the Wednesday night prayer meeting and when there, maybe there's something in the television that you want to watch and you think about the prayer and Bible study, I mean you have to make a choice of the decision. What's more important? Is it the prayer meeting or the television program? Is there anything more important than outreach, reaching out in the children's ministry to the, the needs of men and women that live all around us in our community? If Epaphroditus was alive today, if he stood in this pulpit this morning, would he not testify that he'd given everything up for Christ? His values, his enjoyments, his dreams, his freedom, his life, his very health. He did live a life of holiness. He did live a life where he fought against sin and he took it seriously. He did take seriously the fact that he was in a spiritual warfare. He did hold the things of time and sense loosely. But he lived a life of practical pursuit, having focus on the things that really mattered for the kingdom of God. This was a willing, voluntary sacrifice that he chose to make, not regarding his life. He gambled it, giving it to Christ. That's why we need Epaphroditus today. I want you to think of one final thing and our time is gone. Not only the, the passionate focus that he had for the work of Christ uh, and the practical focus that he had, but I want you to think of the privileged focus that he had uh, for the work of Christ. You see, Epaphroditus put his life in the line for Christ. But you know what? He got his life back. Isn't that a tremendous truth? The Lord had mercy in him and the mercy in Paul and mercy on the Philippian church because he, he didn't die. And the Lord spared him and raised him up to carry on that work. But his mindset remained the same. He continued not to regard his life for the work of Christ. He wasn't throwing his life away. It's tremendous in the sense that when we Understand that God accepts us in Christ. God follows us, calls, calls us to follow Christ. And God teaches us in Christ that if we give our life to him, we're not going to lose it. We're going to find it. And we'll, we'll experience perfect peace because he takes your sacrifice of service, your sacrifice of love, and he blesses it for his glory and for the good of his church. And, and through that, you're laying up treasure in heaven. And, and your heart, it's 100% with Christ, is given peace and a sense of security. The greatest prize and preciousness that 
Epaphroditus' experience was that he became a privileged man. He, he, he was being blessed. He, he was filling a gap that the Philippians couldn't fill. They couldn't literally go or physically go to Rome. But, but he did in their behalf. And what others couldn't do as the pastor, he stepped in and said, let me do it. And he compensated for the, the, the weakness and the inability of others. And as I close this morning and think about what the church needs, you could merely say, well, well the church needs money to pay off its loan. And, and that's right. And we do thank God for all the, the money that has come in uh, to offset that. Uh, we could also say, well, we need help in regards to the decision for a, a minibus for the children's ministry. We could also say that we need to uh, be used of God to um, influence others in the community and in the country to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We could say that we need to see uh, souls saved and new families brought in. And all that's right. But, but I'm going to tell you something else. We need people who will commit themselves to be Epaphroditus, a man blessed by the grace of God. Because it was God's grace and goodness that made him to be a fellow brother of Paul, to be a fellow companion of Paul, to be a fellow laborer, to be a fellow soldier of Paul. And yes, his life was blighted by sickness, but remember, he was in the will of God. And God was merciful to him. Because God could see his heart and his heart was burdened for the work of God. And he realized he wasn't throwing away his life. He knew that even if the Lord took him home via death, he would be absent from the body and present with the Lord. He would gain heaven. He would see the Lord Jesus. Think again of those words of Luke. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake the same shall save it. God doesn't accept us on the basis of what we do or don't do. Remember, he only accepts us in Christ. But if we're brought into Christ and we have a testimony that we're Christians and we're saved and we love the Lord, then that's got to be seen. And it'll be seen in our values. It'll be seen in our vision. It'll be seen in the way we conduct ourselves in the home, in society, in the workplace, and in church. Let me remind you, the unsaved will not read their Bible, but they'll read you. And they'll take your lifestyle and your witness and your testimony amongst them and that can either point them to Christ or it can turn them from Christ. Let me finish. I remember as a young girl in Coleraine many, many years ago, and she went into this office to work. It was connected to the Monsanto building down in Coleraine. And whenever she was there, uh, of course, she, she come from a Christian background, but she fell in with a lot of people at work and, and they enticed her to come along with them uh, to uh, the, the picture house. Now, that may not seem to you like a, a big crime, but for this wee girl growing up in a Christian home where, where they didn't go to the picture house or the cinema, especially in those days, and she went back into work on the Monday 
and she had a wee badge in her coat. Jesus saves. And somebody come up to her and says, were you at the picture house on Friday night? Did you go along with so-and-so and so-and-so and so Yes, I did. Well, you're a hypocrite. How could you say you're a Christian? Jesus saves. Ha, huh, I read. You know, and the wee girl broke down in tears. She never forgot that. And she went home and she repented. And she got right with the Lord. And she realized my testimony before my work people counts more than anything else than I would choose to do for myself. And I'm not saying it's wrong in, in relation to going to, to see a film in the picture house. But what do we value more important? Is it Christ and his cause? Nothing else matters. Because we have an eye to be privileged. We give up our life for Christ. That we might gain it from him. May the Lord take these few remarks and bless them to you this morning.